Miss Hughes 89.1 WEMU, and I have a question for you. Did it seem like you saw less monarch butterflies over the summer than you usually do? Chances are that's the case, and scientists say there are reasons for it. I'm David Fair, and welcome to this week's edition of Issues of the Environment. Butterflies are pollinators and an important food source for birds, small animals, and other insects. Our guest today is here to help us understand why population numbers are on the decline and what we can do about it. Aaron Zylstra is a postdoctoral researcher of integrative biology at Michigan State University. Thank you so much for the time today, Aaron. Yes, glad to join you. Just how important are butterflies, and in particular monarch butterflies, to our ecology? Monarch butterflies are actually quite important. Um, as you mentioned, they are pollinators. And they also form an important part of the ecological community around us. And that that means pollinating some of the plants. It also means serving as a food source for some things that are higher up in the food chain. And then they play an important cultural role um, and scientific role in our world. Um, A lot of us as children in school um, learn about butterflies and metamorphosis by actually um, interacting with monarch butterflies. And then... We have this cultural component that's important here in the U.S., but also in Mexico, where they overwinter. Um, They play an important role that kind of connects us to the environment and the world that we live in. I was going to ask, Michigan is, of course, part of the pathway of the monarch migration between Mexico and Canada. What impact do monarchs traditionally have in our state? Yes, Michigan is pretty central in their summer breeding grounds for the eastern population of monarch butterflies. And so here, um, we do see quite a few monarch butterflies. Um, So here, during the summer, we'll actually get several generations of monarchs that are produced here. So the first monarchs we'll see arrive in May or so, earlier summer. Those adults have come up from the southern U.S., and then they um, are busy. They create a couple new generations. Those adults actually die after they reproduce, and so the next generation... um, grows up, and then they produce yet another generation. And then finally, those last individuals that are produced later in the summer, in August and September, are are those individuals then actually migrate all the way south back down to Mexico where they spend the winter. Now, we keep talking about generations upon generations over the course of a season, but we have significant declines in monarch populations. How significant is it? Yeah, so we have seen um, declines in the population since the mid-1990s, basically, when we started systematically monitoring the monarch population. So most of the information we have about declines actually comes from Mexico. And that's because that's where the same same, uh, population that we see here in in Michigan during the summer spends the winter in central Mexico. And the reason that we use those numbers to help us Um, identify declines is because on the summer breeding grounds, monarchs are spread over this huge area. But during that overwintering period, all of the monarchs are gathered in very small um, pockets of forest in central Mexico. So it becomes easier to assess from year to year how big or small the population is. So we tend to use the Mexico numbers to assess declines. And of course, there, deforestation is a huge issue. Yes, yes. The, the good news is there is there's actually been improvement. So when we first started monitoring monarchs down there, we did see declines, and there were large problems with both legal and illegal logging of some of those forests. But actually, since we started monitoring in the mid-1990s, um, there's been the establishment of this preserve in Mexico, 
And there, the government and non-governmental organizations have really worked hard to preserve those environments for monarchs. So they've actually seen declines in the amount of logging and deforestation that's happened there. So that is actually a bright spot for the the population since um, over the last few decades. This is Issues of the Environment on 89.1 WEMU, and we're talking with Erin Zylstra. She is a postdoctoral researcher in the Department of Integrative Biology at Michigan State University. Now, monarchs are dependent on milkweed, and so as we try and care for these pollinators here in Michigan, what role does development and, in some cases, overdevelopment play in the reduction in its population? Yeah, so the milkweed plays a critical role in, in our monarch populations and how well they've done over time. So just to illustrate that for people who aren't as familiar with monarchs, monarchs only lay their eggs on milkweed plants, and then the caterpillars only eat milkweed. So they're highly dependent on those plants. Milkweed generally tends to prefer, they grow well in disturbed environments and agricultural environments. They like these relatively open areas. And we as humans like to kill it. (laughs) Yes. So the problem much of, much of the problem, and we think some of the earlier declines of the population, are related to the fact that milkweed was really abundant in these agricultural areas. But obviously that's a problem farmers don't like to have their fields inundated with these milkweed, which are weeds for them. And so there's been the development of these crops, corn and soybean crops, that are tolerant of certain herbicides. And what happens then is then the farmers are able to apply large amounts of these herbicides, particularly glyphosate, to those crops. And that has really knocked back the population of milkweed in agricultural areas. And then that has consequences for monarchs. So the amount of milkweed and habitat for monarchs in agricultural regions has really declined um, since the mid and early 1990s because of the development of these herbicide-tolerant crops. And continuing down the pathway of consequences and human cause, like almost every other aspect of our lives, I suspect climate change is proving detrimental to monarchs as well. How significant is that issue in the future well-being of monarchs? Yeah, so actually this is what's kind of interesting, is that the milkweed problem we just discussed really took the largest toll on the monarch population earlier on. So as the amount of of herbicide application increased a lot, and that happened in the mid-1990s to mid-2000s. Since that time, um, the milkweed population has stayed relatively low, so we haven't had a lot lot more losses there. But what we have seen is evidence that climate change is, is having an impact on monarch populations, especially more recently. And so what we're seeing here is in the spring, when the monarchs stop in Texas region and breed there, and then in the summer, um, in places like Michigan and their breeding range, what we see is that the population has still continued to decline, even though, you know, we're still applying the same amount of herbicide that's out there. And that seems to be linked to climate change. So when we have extremely hot springs or extremely dry summers, some of these extreme conditions in the spring and summer breeding grounds, that has a negative impact on the monarch population. And obviously that has some implications with climate change and what changes we expect in these areas over the long term. We're talking monarch butterflies with Aaron Zylstra from MSU on 89.1 WEMU's Issues of the Environment. Now, during the Trump administration, there was discussion of placing monarchs on the endangered species list. In fact, they were on the waiting list. But the U.S. Fish and Wildlife uh, Department projected that within 50 years, there's an 80% chance 
there will be a population collapse for the eastern monarch and a 96 to 100 percent chance for the western population. Do you advocate an endangered species designation? I think that's a tough question. Actually, you know, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service did determine that it was warranted to list the species under that act, but just they have higher priority species, right? There are some species that that are in imminent danger of going extinct, and therefore the monarchs are on what we call the candidate list. So essentially the service will review their status every few years and determine whether then they should be elevated to be listed as threatened or endangered. So I think there's good evidence that both the eastern and especially the western population of monarchs are in some trouble over the longer term. Um, All the evidence we have points to the fact that they are declining and they will likely continue to decline over time. So I think there's, there's good reason to say that that we should be doing a lot to advocate for their conservation and whatnot. But I think it's a tough call for federal agencies who have so many species that are threatened um, and endangered. Um, And so, you know, it's a matter of limited resources, I I think. As we look to the immediate and longer-term future, what measures, in your estimation, need to be taken to ensure survival of the species? So I think there's a few things we can think about from, from the big picture down to our choices we make in our in our everyday life. I think one of the biggest things when we think about climate change and having this more important impact on monarchs currently, um, I think that we can really think about what we can do to advocate for, um, you know, reducing our carbon emissions and trying to stem some of these, these negative impacts of climate change. So that means thinking about who we elect um, and what sorts of policies they put into place. So that's sort of a big picture item, but it's really important. And then I think as individuals, we have a lot of choices to make um, in terms of of the environment around us and what we can do. So I think leaving places like our yards or patches of environment in our neighborhoods, leaving those places wild, allowing natural uh, native plants to grow, things like milkweed, you know, this doesn't result in really manicured landscapes, but sort of leaving things wild benefits monarchs and lots of other species. Um, And then I think a lot of people have been interested in planting more milkweed. As we talked about, the amount of milkweed has really declined over time. Um, And so I think that's something that we can do. We want to focus on native species of milkweed, but planting those in our yards or on the roadsides um, or in some fields in our environments, that can only benefit monarchs and lots of other species that use those plants. Aaron, thank you for the time today. Aaron Zylstra is a postdoctoral researcher in the Department of Integrative Biology at Michigan State University and has been our guest on Issues of the Environment. This weekly series is produced in partnership with the Office of the Washtenaw County Water Resources Commissioner and is heard every Wednesday. I'm David Fair, and this is your community NPR station, 89.1 WEMU-FM and WEMU-HD1 Ypsilanti.